Get ready, Avalanche territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Mike Evans. Great to have you with us as we uh, talk all things Avalanche and the NHL. As we come to you right now, this is right after the morning after the Avs lost to the New Jersey Devils 7-5, to a Donnybrook of a game, firewagon hockey, they used to call it uh, back in the day. But a, a lot of stuff to, to talk about from that game, from the last couple days, and also as we uh, look ahead to the final trade deadline, are there more moves in place for the Avs? Let, let's start with the game itself. And... Losing a game like that and seeing New Jersey come in the way that they they played, what kind of message does that send the Avs? How should they take that loss? It's a tough one because right from the start, Jared Bednar created almost an out, almost an excuse. And the Avs are Stanley Cup champions. They're pros, okay? But understand where I'm going. When you recognize that you're playing an Eastern Conference team. And Bednar did not shy away from this. He made this clear, uh, that he was looking for a spot to be able to give Alexander Georgiev some time off. And this part of the schedule worked out perfectly. It was an Eastern Conference opponent. You don't have to run the risk of uh, losing to the team and having them gain two valuable points on you in the standings. It's an Eastern Conference team. Who cares? So that's why you saw Eustace on and in there. But so do you Do you give the Avs a, a pass for playing and coming out the way that they played? It's the old substitute school teacher type thing where the moment you show up to class that day and you see a substitute teacher, you immediately are like, all right, substitute teacher. We're not going to have to work as hard today. We're going to have fun. We're going to be able to take advantage of this teacher. It is not the normal day. And I I wonder if subconsciously the Avs looked at poor Eustace Ananen, not fair to him, but kind of looked at him as a substitute teacher. Hey, coach is sending a real message that this game matters, but it doesn't really matter because he's willing to sit Alexander Georgiev because it's an Eastern Conference opponent. Does that subconsciously get into the Avs' mindset? Again, I'd like to think that the Avalanche are a professional enough team that it wouldn't matter, if anything, that they would look at Onan and being in between the pipes and say, hey, we've got to be even better tonight. I'm I'm hoping that that was the case, because if it was not the case, then that performance against New Jersey is kind of a eye-opener. Because one thing that I've talked about, and, and I think it's been quite evident in what's gone on during the trade deadline with all the players moving west to east, is that the east is a beast. That the teams out there, that, I mean, they are they are going after each other. And you got teams like Boston, of course, but a lot of good teams just at that next level that, quite honestly, uh, easily could end up beating Boston and being in the Stanley Cup Finals. And, of course, we're talking about Tampa. We're talking about Carolina. And after what I saw from New Jersey, talk about New Jersey. New Jersey came in, and very rare is the hockey team that, even when they're playing the Avs at home, never mind playing the Avs at Ball Arena, 
come in with the mentality of, we'll skate with you. Let's do it. Let's go. And they outskated the Avs. That first part of the game in which the Avs fell behind over the first half of the game, 5-1, that was kind of like, whoa. Uh, the Devils were outskating the Avs. They were quicker to pucks. They were winning all the battles. Um, they were they were heavy on uh, the Avs defensively, heavy on their sticks, heavy on the body, not giving the Avs any kind of room. And so that is kind of a, a bit of an eye-opener as the Avs look to these, these final hours before the trade deadline. Hey, yeah, we probably are good enough to be able to get through the West, but are we good enough to beat the teams from the East? And last night had to give you some pause. Now, again, I get it. Onanen wasn't very good, but I am not. I refuse to blame this game on Eustace Onanen because if you saw the same game I saw, you saw an Avalanche team that just got outplayed badly. And honestly, out of the first five goals that uh, Onanen gave up, there's one, maybe two, that I would put on him. For the most part, it was just a bad performance by the Avalanche, leaving their goaltender out to dry. Now, once the Avs got back in the game, and again, give the give the Avs a lot of credit um, because they, they could have easily just quit and rolled over, but they didn't. They got back into the game. But when you make it 5-4, to four, at that point, if you're... If you're Jared Bednar, is it is it almost like a baseball equivalent where you decide to give your starter a day off, but if the game is close in the seventh or eighth inning, that guy comes in to pinch hit and then stay in the field for defense and ends up playing the last few innings. Do you take that approach with Georgiev? Do you say, hey, all of a sudden this game that we thought we were going to lose, we're now in a position to win it, and it'd be the kind of come-from-behind win that would take this team that's already playing at a really high level with a lot of momentum and give them even more momentum. So do we, at that point, switch to Georgiev to try to win the game? Because the sixth goal that they did give up was a bad goal. And at that point, has the strategy changed? You've gone into the game with the understanding, hey, listen, we're prepared to let this one go. It's why we're playing our third-string goalie. And maybe it wasn't all his fault, but, you know, the game's going the way that you might expect things to go when you get your third-string goalie in there. But then you make the comeback the way that they did. Now, all of a sudden, does that change? And the plan goes out the window, and now you're like, hey, let's go win this hockey game, and better goaltending might make the difference. Again, I'm I'm not going to put this on Onanen because while the sixth goal wasn't that good of a goal to give up. Hey, what was going on at the other end? New Jersey was having a heck of a time with their goaltending to the point where they pulled their goalie in the third period. And the Avs closed to within six to five, and there was still 16 minutes left of hockey. There was still 16 minutes left. And I, I, I felt, I'm sure you felt the same thing watching the game, is that, okay, it's a one-goal game. The Avs have all the momentum. There's still 16 minutes left. They're at least going to get the equalizer and get this game into overtime, and they're at least going to be able to come away with a point. I, I, I think we all had that just assumption that that was going to happen. Instead, uh, the Avs ran out of gas. Um, New Jersey just kind of tightened up, played a, a classic road game, and just trapped the heck out of them and was able to milk the clock and eventually get the uh, – 
empty empty netter to to put it away seven to five. Although there is something too. Uh, you hear this a lot in in hockey. Uh, basketball, football, that sometimes when you fall behind, you dig yourself such a deep hole that you expend so much energy trying to get back into the game that you just don't have a left left to just finish off the comeback, right? So the Avs just emptied the tank to come back from 5-1, to one, got close, but just didn't have enough to get it over the hump. And I think that those last 16 and a half minutes of the game reflected that. So what, what do we take? from this 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 game against New Jersey. One, uh, the teams back east are tough. They're really good. And if you're talking about trying to win a Stanley Cup, then that has to be something that the front office looks at and says, while we like our team and while we think our team might be good enough to get through the West with what we've got, is it good enough to win the Cup? I would argue, no, it's not. And, you're count- and that, that brings us back to the trade and the trades, and the possibility of more trades. So let's talk about the the Lars Eller trade. I like the trade, okay? Let's just look at the trade in sort of the micro here. I like the Lars Eller trade. The Lars Eller trade makes the Avalanche better than they were before they made the trade for Lars Eller. He steps in as your third-line center. Experienced player, proven playoff player, just the kind of guy you love to have centering your third line in the playoffs. So, to me, that's an instant upgrade. No knock on Alex Newhook, but Lars Eller as your third line playoff center is better than Alex Newhook as your third line playoff center. And what this does, it makes Newhook a better player because Newhook is still at this stage of his career. I think he's better suited for the wing, and it frees him up. He's immensely talented. Let him be able to play wing. There, there's there's a, a added responsibility that goes with playing center that Eller fits better than Newhook would. So in this case, the Avs are better. Third-line center, they're better. And it puts Alex Newhook into a role that he'll be better at. So are the Avs a better hockey team? Yes. So from that sense, in the purely micro sense, the Lars Eller trade was a good one. But is it enough? And that's where I say no. And it really boils down to this. Last year in the playoffs, in winning a Stanley Cup, you had Gabe Landeskog at the height of his powers, firing all cylinders, and you had Nazem Kadri as your second-line center doing all the things that Kadri did. So now you have to look at going into the playoffs. Think about what you had with Landeskog and Kadri last year and think about what you have in its place this year. Start making it an apples-to-apples comparison. You don't have you don't have Landeskog at all right now, and even if you get him back by the playoffs, what kind of player is he going to be after having not played for an entire season? Ask yourself that question. I think it is a long, long leap of faith to take that you believe that Gabe Landeskog is going to be able to come back if he comes back and be able to play at that level. So file that away. Then you got trying to replace Nazem Kadri. JT Conference is a good player. I, I do not want to make this come across like it's a hit job on JT Comfort. JT Comfort is a good player, and he's he's only getting better. But, again, I asked the question, are you confident JT Comfort can give you at 2C what Nazem Kadri gave you at 2C in last year's playoffs? I'll, I'll, I'll let that question kind of linger a little bit. To linger. I, I don't. 
Okay, I don't see JT being able to make that kind of impact. So, to me, if you're looking at what you had last year in Landy and Kadri to what you have right now, it's a drop-off. And is it enough what they have right now to be able to get through the Western Conference part of the playoffs? Hey, you've heard me week after week on this podcast say, I don't believe there's anybody in the West that can beat this team four times. And I believe it even more strongly now than I did a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, last year, the Avs, I, I was very confident the Avalanche would cruise through the Western Conference part of the playoffs. The only team I thought that would give them some issue would be St. Louis. It turned out to be exactly that. The Avs go 12-2 and two in the Western Conference part of the playoffs. Only St. Louis gave them a little bit of a battle. St. Louis is, is a shell of themselves, and I don't think anybody stepped into their void. So, yeah, there, there's nobody that can beat this team four times in the West even with what they have going on right now. Uncertainty with Landeskog, uh, the, the current construction of the second and third line center, you know, even 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 some of the uncertainty with Caleb McCarr, uh, which we'll get to here in a second. I, I still think the Avs are the best in the West. But to win the Cup, to win the Cup, uh, yeah, I, I think they're, they're still going to have to do more at the trade deadline. And we'll see what happens. I get that the pool of players is dwindling. And if you're looking at getting a second line center, honestly, I've kind of stopped thinking about that now. Uh that the the guys you were talking about, the Bo Horvats, the Ryan O'Reilly's, the Jonathan Taves of the world, the 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 pool has has gotten to the point where I, I just don't think you're going to be able to get a guy that's going to come in and give you that Nazem Kadri type impact. Cuz think about it. You're looking at an Avalanche team that has Nathan McKinnon as your first-line center, okay? So anybody that you get as your second-line center, to me, has to be somebody who's a clear number-one center on his team. Uh, that's And that's Kadri, right? I mean, that's that's Kadri with, with Calgary. So to me, unless you're going to be able to get somebody's number-one center to come here to be your second-line center, then you might as well not make the deal. Then you might as well just ride with JT Comfer and Lars Eller as your second and third line centers. But so I'm not really thinking that a, a second line center really is in in play for the Avs. But you can still add to your your forward lines, your top top six forwards. And you can get an impact forward that if Gabe Landeskog can't come back or if Gabe can't come back and be Gabe, then at least you have somebody that in, in theory could come close to giving you uh, Gabe Landeskog type production in the playoffs. That's asking a lot, but at least give you, you know, maybe better than what you have right now. And then if Gabe comes back and is 100% is Gabe freaking Landeskog, then, hey, what an embarrassment of riches. And who wouldn't want to be able to have that extra kind of uh, impact forward to be able to use in different situations. So I still think that the Avs uh, could use a top six forward. Uh, I think they could always use more defense depth. And, you know, now I think you do have to look and call into question what's the deal health-wise with, with Pavel Francouz. Are you absolutely sure Francouz is going to be back for the playoffs? If not, then maybe you need to be in in the market for even another backup goaltender. I know they made the deal with Boston for Keith Kin, uh, Kincaid, but uh, maybe that's something unlikely. It's not near the top of the to-do to do list, but it's something to to think about. Uh, quick thought on Alexander Georgiev, and I think it was a, a good play by Jared Bednar and 
before you start howling at me. Oh, wait a minute, Evans. Aren't you somebody that goes on and on about load management in the NBA and it's the devil and the curse of the NBA load management? Whoa, easy, easy. Step back there, Kendrick Perkins, okay? With goalies, yeah, load management is a thing with goalies. It always has been a thing with goalies. No goalie is going to play 80 games. No goalie is going to play 70 games. Uh, Rare is the goaltender that plays 60-plus games. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, you're looking at your starting goalie playing about 50 games. Well, Georgiev has already shattered his career mark for most games started in a season. Before this season, the most games he had started in a season was like uh, 33 with the Rangers a few years ago. He's already at 42 right now. So this is a big workload for Georgiev, and it's a workload he hasn't experienced before. And, oh, by the way, he still has a long playoff run coming up in front of him. So you have to manage his minutes. You have to manage his games, and you have to find those spots in the schedule that allow you to take advantage and give him a breather. And and this one was the perfect one because you uh, you you had the game with New Jersey. You don't play again until Saturday in Dallas. Then you come back Sunday at home against Seattle. You got a couple of uh, conference games uh, next week as well, I think against L.A. and Arizona. So, those are the games that you're going to want to use Georgiev and to be able to find that little hole in the schedule where, hey, if I sit him against New Jersey, Eastern Conference team doesn't really impact us as much. And then after that, another two days off before we, we go to Dallas and play a team that, you know, we're trying to overtake for first place in the division. We want Georgiev rested and ready to go. So I think it's a good play. I think it was a really good play. It's This is not load management in the uh, classic NBA sense. It's just a smart way to handle your goaltender. And uh, I think Bednar had a, a very good um, handle on, on on how to to use the schedule and use this opponent and give Georgiev a break. So I have, I have no problem with it at all. I think it also impacts what we saw with Kale McCarr, and I love the fact that they're being careful with him. Even though he's at the point where the other day he was practicing in a non-contact jersey, uh, leading to speculation that he might have played against the Devils, again, what's the rush? What is the rush? The Avs are going to be in the playoffs. They are going to be a playoff team. This is not a team that's in a desperate situation where they have to uh, overextend guys and play guys heavy minutes and not be able to think about the big picture. They already showed that they're thinking about the p- big picture with Georgiev. They're doing the same thing with Makar. Very smart. Didn't play him against the Devils. Same reason. Why do we send him out? The guy just had two concussions. Let's give him an extra day. It's not like we're playing a team that we have to beat. And then after that, another two days off, another two days to recover, new, another two days to practice. And then you get Kale McCarr back in time for the Dallas game. So I think that that's the way it's trending. And that's that's just Bednar having a really good sense of, of what's going on with his hockey team. So uh, in the meantime, uh, while the Avalanche wait for guys to come back, can, can we salute the play of Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen? Wow. Wow. It was like both these guys made a conscious or subconscious pact that starting around the beginning of February, certainly after uh, that that celebrated loss to Chicago and then the team meeting, it was almost like the whole team, but especially those guys, said, "You know what? You know the the, the Stanley Cup hangover is over. 
it's go time. And we're just going to pick these guys, the rest of these guys up on our backs and carry them. And Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, two guys that are playing just possessed hockey right now. Just hop on my back and follow my lead, boys. Uh, we'll, we'll carry you there. And uh, McKinnon named the second star in the NHL for the month of February. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he was the second star for the week. Ended up being the second star for the month behind only Connor McDavid. Um, I know I've said I've been less than uh, uh, complimentary of, of Connor McDavid in the past. That, uh, hey, man, you know, for all the great things you supposedly do, why doesn't it translate more? Nobody can accuse him coming down the stretch here for Edmonton trying to get them into the playoffs that he isn't doing his part to push, pull, drag, and lug Edmonton across the playoff finish line. So, okay, let, let, let's give McDavid his props. But McKinnon's been had an awesome February, and you just watch the way he's playing right now. It's just he's, he's Nathan McKinnon, man on a mission. Uh, Nathan McKinnon just just playing with a <laughs> barely controlled fury out there on the ice. I love it. Add in what you're getting from Miko Rantanen, who is just the just the uh, the the perfect portrait of a power forward in today's NHL. Just like the you go in and you're shopping for a power forward, and the top of the line model is Miko Rantanen. He, he embodies everything you want. In a, in a power forward. So those two have just been amazing, amazing. And um, I, wanted to, I wanted to take some time to be able to really, you know, talk about, about their games because they've been awesome. So we'll see what happens if the Az make any more moves. Uh, big weekend, Dallas. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, even with the little stumble against New Jersey, the way the Avalanche have been playing – you know, here's a team that just a few weeks ago, a week ago, was out of the playoff picture. They were hanging around as the last wild card team. They were a point or two out of the final wild card spot. And now we look at them. Not only have they climbed in the standings, they still have games in hand. And and quite honestly, I I think that when it's all said and done, the Avs are only going to surpass Dallas and win this division. I I think they're going to end up being having the best record in the West. What a what a journey that would be. How demoralizing would it be for the rest of the West if after a season in which, you know, different teams were able to make a claim that hey, maybe we're the best in the West and look at the Avalanche, they're struggling and they don't seem as hungry and they're at times going through the motions and they got all these injuries. Can you imagine how demoralizing it would be for all the so-called contenders in the West if you look up when it's all said and done and the Avs are again the number one overall seed with home ice throughout the entire Western Conference playoffs? That would be demoralizing, but I got a strong feeling that's the way it's going to work out. We shall see. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Would love your feedback, however you'd like to give it to me on Twitter at Mike Evans1043. You can always shoot me a text during the Schlereth and Evans morning show, 303-713-1043. Love to hear your feedback, positively or negatively. I don't mind the negative stuff. Don't worry. I'm a big boy, thick skin. I can handle it. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and, and send that, and I'd love to hear from you. Please spread the word uh, about this Mile High Hockey Podcast, especially as we get ready for the playoffs. Uh, really looking forward to doing some exciting stuff. So uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.